We're in Mexico City. We don't know anybody. And now we're, we're with some strange dude driving the car. He turns off the car after pulling behind an abandoned building. Tell me you wouldn't be afraid for your life. And now, streaming at you in living color from the far reaches of podcast land, America's white-collar wise guy, the career conciliary. What do you hear? What do you say? Welcome to episode number 12 of the Career Conciliary Podcast, your no-frills, no-BS forum for navigating the old corporate job scene. Jimmy with you once again for what we hope to be a highly informative and engaging half an hour or so. Having spent the last few episodes talking about the right way, quote-unquote, to approach job interviews, I thought we'd take a breather from all that hardcore stuff that stresses us out and have some fun with this episode today. You are about to hear some insane stories of crazy shenanigans that actually did really take place during job interviews. And with that, you're also going to hear some conciliary wisdom on some things that you yourself can do if you ever happen to find yourself in a similar situation. And for those of you listening, and this is serious, if you have stories that can top these, please leave them in the comments, send me an email, get them in front of me. I'd love to talk about them on the show, and I would just, if for no other reason than my own selfish amusement, I would love to hear your harrowing tales. Please share. Podcast land. Let's get it. All the stories that we're going to hear today come from an article in The Muse. And you can find the full link to that article in the episode description if you want to take a look and read the whole thing for yourself. Feel free. The link will be up there. Feel free to dive in because we're not going to get to every story in the article today. I picked the top three that made me laugh the most. Hopefully they make you laugh too. First up, we head to Brooklyn, New York, not too far from me, to hear about some craziness that took place at a digital creative agency. Now, for anybody listening who isn't from the New York area. In the last 15, let's round up and say 20 years, Brooklyn, New York City, borough of Brooklyn, parts of it anyway, have gone through an immense transition. The area has become very gentrified. It looks nothing like it used to. I remember as a kid seeing a bunch of abandoned buildings, places that were just real, real run down and shot to hell. Now they've bounced back a lot. Now the average person walking the street over there is a creative type. You used to have all these abandoned factories, mills, warehouses, all those buildings, they're still there, but now they're filled with startup companies staffed by some very dapper and trendy individuals sipping $6 cups of coffee. Complete transition in that area. But now the scene is set for you. And if you've never been inside a startup company like this, if you've never visited one of their offices, they're known for their ping pong tables, beanbag chairs. And a lot of them even have beer taps in the kitchen because, you know, alcohol and productivity go hand in hand. Who didn't know that? Anyway, all that aside, it's a pretty laid back and feng shui kind of environment. Not at all your standard, typical type of office. Much, much different. This particular office also happened to have pets in the place. Yes, real life dogs that would hang out with you while you're working. They would go around, the employees would pet them. They were just kind of the office dogs. And this was a big selling point for the subject in this story. 
as they claim to have even sold themselves in their cover letter as being a big dog lover. If you needed another example of how cover letters are known for their mission-critical, highly, highly important details and how that really makes a difference when you're trying to get a job, you just got one. I guess in this case, it did work out. But again, you know how I feel about cover letters. Not the point of this story. Anyway, our dude or dudette here, the article does not tell us if it was a guy or a girl, they got through the interview with no trouble. Standard types of -of run-of-the-mill interview questions, no crazy fireworks to report. Until, at the very end, while their host was walking them back to the front door on their way out, one of the dogs walks up to the interview subject and bit them on the leg. I guess because they were they were an invader. They weren't one of the regulars in the place. I guess the dog got a little spooked and went into attack mode. So what should you do if this ever happens to you? Our subject in the article gives us the do's and don'ts. They tell us, if this ever happens, do not mention how much your leg stings. Do not casually confirm that you're not bleeding. And do not ask about the company's standard operating procedures for reimbursing a suit from collateral canine damage. So guys, I guess this means they must have done all the above because unfortunately, our protagonist here did not get the job. Now, if a company like this is smart, they're insured against random acts of caninism like this. But as the world of work gets more creative and unconventional, I guess my reaction to this story would be just to keep your eyes open and be aware of your surroundings. I myself actually interviewed at one of these startup companies years back in the past. And in case you can't tell my wise guyisms the way that I am, you got a pretty good sense of me by now if you've been listening to this show. They don't exactly blend in your typical startup environment. And that was crystal clear the second I walked in that place. They didn't have dogs running around, but I do remember people flying by me on skateboards while I was in the lobby waiting for my interview to happen. And this is a true story. After one of the interview rounds, my host brought me into the kitchen area where about 200 people who all literally looked like they just left the sorority house were gathered eating pizza and drinking bright green fruit punch. I kid you not, slime colored fruit punch and pizza. I had probably 15, 20 minutes to kill until my next meeting round was happening. So my host told me to jump in line at the pizza brigade and grab a slice, grab some punch. So I'm standing there wearing a $600 suit. Everyone else around me is wearing sweatpants, hoodies, and 90s band t-shirts. It felt like the high school cafeteria line. The only thing now, I was the awkward substitute teacher that nobody recognizes. Who's that? Who's that guy? Who's that weirdo? In this case, I was the weirdo for wearing professional clothing in an environment like that. Ugh, highly uncomfortable. Now look, don't get me wrong. It's no knock on startups. If that's your thing, More power to you if you happen to work for one. A lot of them are very successful. You got to admire what they do and how they do it. Really, really cool stuff at a lot of them. But what wisdom do we gain from this story? If in your situation, you happen to be spending time in any quote unquote new age kind of environment like this, just be ready for unconventional things to happen. Whether it's being way too overdressed for the occasion or getting bit by a random dog. Here's another story for you. This one has to do with a technology breakdown, something most, if not all of us, are probably all too familiar with. Our subject tells us that they had just finished interviewing for a position at a nonprofit and being 
over the moon, absolutely jumping for joy with excitement, they decided to send their follow-up email to the executive director, who also happened to be the hiring manager, that same day, maybe like an hour or two after the interview was over. This person clearly has never listened to the Career Conciliary podcast. This is part of why I don't recommend sending follow-ups right away, if at all. Check this out. They sent the email from their phone with the intention of writing, quote, I can hardly contain my excitement about the possibility of working with your organization. Excuse me while I grab a vomit bucket. However, that's when man's best friend, autocorrect, decided to show up and intervene in the situation. And that's when excitement became excrement. Translation, I'm so excited to work for you that I'm going to wind up voiding my bowels in elation and bliss. Help me, please. This prompted our person, realizing what had just happened, to immediately call the executive director, who they just interviewed with a few hours prior, to call them on the phone and apologize profusely mere moments after sending that email. The good news is apparently the director was cool about it and laughed it off, but our person here did not receive a job offer. People, people, people. Where do we start with this one? First, and this is the God's honest truth, I commend anyone that's that passionate about working for a nonprofit. Nonprofits, 501c3s, organizations like that are notorious for paying way below market. Literally, I've seen mid-level managers at some of those nonprofits making half of what they could be earning if they worked in, in the private for-profit sector. So you're definitely not doing it for the shkadol. No way. You're doing it because you believe in the cause. You have an innate desire to help people. All very noble and admirable things. Seriously. And this comes from the bottom of my heart to anybody out there who might be working in the nonprofit sector. I have a ton of respect for you, your cause, and what you do. Thank you. But this story is a textbook example of why I say to really scale down your follow-up strategy at the end of an interview. Do you really think that sending an email that same day is going to be what tips the scales? It's really simple, guys. Don't make it any more complicated than it needs to be. Be that good of a candidate and follow-up emails become water under the bridge. If you're that good, you won't even have to send one. They'll come knocking on your door. Our person, our subject in this story, got way too emotional. Couldn't contain themselves or their bowels, apparently, and sent an email while they were all giddy and not thinking straight. The result? A huge technological faux pas that really put them in an awkward spot. Now you look like a real jackass having to call the person you just met with a few hours ago and explain yourself on this. And look, it's not even about the typo. Any reasonable person understands that these things can easily happen. You but your finger slips, you hit the button on the phone, it happens. We get that. But this example shows what it really shows at the true core issue here is a real lack of emotional regulation. And that is a massive red flag for any employer. In the workplace, especially in the corporate workplace, you are expected and it is an absolute necessity to be the three C's, cool, calm, and collected. And our protagonist in this story was anything but. Why didn't they get the job? I'd be willing to bet that reasoning like this was probably a big part of the consideration. And here's another crazy one for you. The subject in this story was flown into town for an interview. 
So this is probably somebody a little higher up on the food chain. They spent the whole day in the office doing what they had to do for the interviews, all that. And then when all was said and done at the end of the day, somebody from the company's talent acquisition department volunteered to drive them back to the airport. Nice gesture. Instead of making the person take a cab, call an Uber, give them a ride back. Nice, nice touch. When they first left, the driver, she said that the emergency brake was on and didn't know how to release it. Easy fix. The subject took a look. He or she was a more experienced driver, I guess. They were able to figure it out and help her get the brake off. No problem. It was one of those pedal brakes. All said and done, right? Nope. That was only the beginning. While they were in route, the car kept swerving off to the right, kept pulling off to the right, nearly hitting the guardrail every time. But at the last second, the driver was able to straighten the wheel out, get the car going back straight again, no harm done. But this happened a whole bunch of times. This was only from how the article makes it sound, a 10, 15 minute ride to the airport, wasn't far. But this kept happening. And then all of a sudden, bam! The driver drifted too far right and slammed into that guardrail, on a bridge no less. Somehow, they pushed on, the car was still operable, and they made it to the airport. But after that crash, the passenger side door was so smashed and inoperable that our protagonist literally had to crawl out of the driver's side and use the actual driver's door to finally get out of the hellmobile. And after coming within inches of their life, nope, no job offer. After all that, like Rodney Dangerfield used to say, I get no respect. There's good news, though. Despite what you're probably thinking, our driver was not drunk. It turns out, and this is a crazy story, when she released the emergency brake pedal, somehow the pedal cut her, and apparently her fatigue behind the wheel, because she was nodding off, that's why she kept pulling the car right and eventually hit the guardrail, that was due to lightheadedness and drowsiness from blood loss. That must have been a crazy deep cut for that to happen in such a short time. What emergency brake pedal is sharp enough to do that kind of damage? I mean, what a bizarre situation. But hey, at least we can rest assured and we can all sleep better knowing that this didn't happen as the result of any gross negligence. Just a freak thing. My God. The company learned their lesson, though, because apparently a little while later, the subject's friend had an interview at the exact same place. And I guess they spoke about it after. And apparently for the subject's friend, the company hired a car service to take them to and from the airport instead of handling it in-house. <laughs> and he wonder why? Absolutely ludicrous story. But what can we take away from this? Similar to the dog bite situation in the previous example, it really just comes down to being aware of your surroundings and not taking your safety for granted. Sometimes, depending on the kind of job you have, you're going to be asked to travel. And travel means you have to get in the car with other drivers. You got to go venturing out at the parts unknown with people that you probably don't know all that well. For as cool as it can be, it definitely comes with its risks. And to lend some support to that, here's another true conciliary tale for you. This actually happened to me. In the past, I had to travel from Mexico City for work a bunch of times. Spent a lot of time in Mexico, actually. And every single time they had a car service pick me up from the airport. I got door-to-door -door service from the airport and then back to the airport. The company was always really, really good about taking care of you that way. This one particular time, Diego, 
a colleague of mine from one of our European divisions was also flying in from the same meeting. He was coming from Poland and we met up with him at the airport. We found our driver. He was holding up one of those signs that had our names on it, like you see in the movies. Really makes you feel super important and pampered. We found the guy, got to the car, and away we went. Now, if you've never been to Mexico City, it's an experience. It's a vibrant city, tons of culture, great food, a lot to see and do there. Really cool place to go see. The downside, though, it can also be pretty rough. In its bad areas, it's... Not a place you want to be caught dead if you're in the wrong neighborhood. And we're spoiled here in the U.S. with the kind of safety and security that we take for granted. It's a whole new ball game in certain areas of Mexico City. You don't realize what you got sometimes until you leave and you go see other places. You're like, oh, my God, this is this is really something else. Now, aside from that, the city also probably has the worst traffic I've seen anywhere. And that's coming from a guy that's lived in New York, New Jersey, and Southern California. I lived in all three. And I will say, without question, DFA, as the locals call it, has all three of the others beat. No question. So as a way of trying to beat this traffic, our driver was taking every side street he could find. He's going down these real narrow alleyways, practically driving right through crowds of people. A lot of people down there just hang out right in the middle of the street without much regard for the cars that are coming by. So that kind of paints the picture for you. It was kind of like that scene in The Godfather when they're driving through the crowds of people down in Havana and Al Pacino in the back seats getting real nervous. You guys seen that? So imagine that, only instead of an A-list actor, it's me and Diego in the back seat. So finally, after about 20 minutes, half an hour of this, our driver finally takes a turn down some unlit path. Didn't even look like a road you can drive on some back a little tiny alleyway no street lights no anything and he pulls behind the building turns off the lights and shuts off the car guys it was like something from a horror movie i mean diego and i turned our heads and looked at each other in perfect unison and like we had the exact same facial expression on with these unspoken we had this unspoken understanding that kind of telepathically communicated to one another Never thought your face was going to be the last one I'd ever see. We're in Mexico City. We don't know anybody. And now we're, we're with some strange dude driving the car. He turns off the car after pulling behind an abandoned building. Tell me you wouldn't be afraid for your life. But luckily, after about 10 seconds, he turns the car back on and whips a Yui. And we start going again back the way we came. And then he says to us in Spanish, I'll never forget his words of salvation. Lo siento mucho, señores. Solo tuve que restablecer la navegación. He had to reset the GPS. That's all it was. He just needed a safe place off the beaten path to do it where he wasn't going to be holding up traffic or any of the crowds out in the street. So Diego and I made it to our hotel alive, and we lived to tell about it. But my God, was that a scary 10 seconds of my life. Maybe it comes from watching too much Breaking Bad. I don't know. But at that moment, all I can see was my own face on a milk carton. And I realized then that the photo they put on the milk carton was probably going to be the instant messenger photo that I had at work, which looked terrible. So all that, here I am going missing with that horrible mugshot out there, which is the only thing people have to recognize me by. Sick joke, right? They say life has a sick sense of humor. So all these really important things are going through my head while I'm fearing for my life there. Crazy stuff. But look, the point here, 
our careers might put us innocently a lot of the time into semi-extreme situations like this. And we need to always be on the lookout for any potential hazards. Nobody, I don't care who, is going to have your back like you will. And while it's never possible to avoid all of the danger, do your best to stay ahead of it when you can. We have heard some pretty bizarre stories today, if I do say so myself. And you know me, I'm never going to leave you hanging without some kind of constructive lesson to take away from all the madness. So let's impart some wisdom with today's... Conciliary call to action. First, the dog bite story. The dog bite isn't so relevant here as the bigger picture. Unconventional workplaces, that's what we'll call them. The techie startup kind of scene that's depicted in this story. You know, the ones where everybody sits on yoga balls at their desk. Everyone's dressed like they're at a punk rock concert and you struggle to find anyone over the age of 40. Those kinds of places. Unique workplaces like this pose their own set of challenges that goes a lot further than just the vicious bites of the pet dogs that hang around the place. These quote-unquote new age types of environments have a different culture than what we're used to seeing in more traditional office environments. So if you're already working in one, or if you're looking to get into one, just be aware that some of the norms in these places are going to be pretty different than what you're used to at some other more well-established companies. How the norms differ can and probably should be a whole podcast episode in itself. But for now, if you're going to be working in one of these places or if you're interviewing in one of them, whatever the case, just educate yourself as much as possible on the place. Do as much research as you can to get yourself prepared and make sure you have your rabies shots. Story number two, the overanxious follow-upper who accidentally told the interview that he soiled himself in excitement. We've already said it. But this story is a great example of the importance of staying cool, calm, and collected in professional situations. The three C's, guys. Remember them and remember them well. Any company, regardless of what industry you're in, what type of organization it is, what they do, where it's located, any of that, they all expect you to be able to contain yourself. Any type of corporate job is going to put you in situations that evoke all kinds of emotions, both positive and negative. And it is critical to keep your head regardless of what comes your way. And look, you are completely justified feeling excited at the chance of working for your dream company. If you're in that situation, if you're really, really excited about the job prospects for whatever reasons, then good for you. Work can be very fulfilling and receiving a job offer is one of the few party-worthy occasions that grown-ass adults still have to look forward to. And look, a lot of people envy being in that kind of situation. So if that's what's going on for you, if you're real excited about what's going on in your professional life, good for you. Live it up. But no matter what, you have to maintain your stoicism and keep your emotions in check. The company wants to know that they're hiring somebody who's got it together and can keep it together when things start getting crazy. This is a life skill that will never steer you wrong throughout your entire career. And finally, the story about the rogue airport driver. Really just an unfortunate turn of events in this one, but it does illuminate the unforeseen dangers that can pop up in seemingly innocent, run-of-the-mill aspects of life. Something as simple as somebody giving you a ride to the airport to do you a favor. And I realize that not everybody travels plane-worthy distances for their job, but regardless, 
doesn't have to be a thousand mile trip. It could be something as simple as an outing at a local restaurant, a conference in the next town over, office happy hour, whatever the case. There are times when your job is going to pull you away from your normal routine. And because of that, you're going to wind up in situations where bad stuff can and will happen if you let it, especially when alcohol is involved. I've seen alcohol completely wreck people's careers. I've seen people get DUIs driving home from happy hour. I've seen people do stupid, insane crap in front of senior leaders and completely embarrass themselves and land themselves in hot water for that, thanks to booze. I've also seen people get fired for, we're going to call it interpersonal shenanigans at company events after a few too many cold ones. You can use your imagination on what might have happened there. Bottom line, folks, be aware of your surroundings and keep yourself in check whenever the call of duty pulls you away from the safety of your normal routine. It can be easy. It can feel safe. Everyone else is drinking. Everyone else is partying. Doesn't look like they have a care in the world. But always remember, nobody is going to look out for you better than yourself. So remember that regardless of where you are, how good of a time you're having, bad things can always happen. So keep your eyes open. And sadly, folks, that's all the time we have for today. But have no fears and shed no tears, because I'll be back with a new episode every week. As they say in the industry, no listeners, no show. So do me a favor and stay loyal. If you find value in my content, Please, please, oh please, leave me a nice review, tell all your friends, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. And beyond the confines of your headphones, speakers, TV screen, or any other crazy contraption with the ability to stream audio, I also provide one-on-one career assistance. So visit my website at career-conciliary.net to learn more about me, book me for one-on-one coaching, join my email list, or explore some of the other career services that I offer. And to all of you out there in podcast land, remember this. Who's the boss in your career? You. Nobody else.